Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll be beginning at verse 11. Say amen when you get there in your Bible or your electronic device. One. Some of us are a little quicker than others at scrolling. If you just go like this. Uh, in my Bible, there's a little subtitle that says, Warning Against Apostasy. And I looked it up. I, I don't know if y'all are like me. There's a lot of words I kind of know what they mean. But to actually say what they mean, I have to look it up to see what the real words are. And apostasy is a formal abandonment or renunciation of an idea or religion or a belief. And so part of this is going to be a warning against apostasy. Uh, also, I want to say that Hebrews is really difficult to teach. And I've spent a lot of time in prayer and study because and, it's real important to get this stuff right. And I've learned in, in, in the, the study, in the figuring out of this Hebrews, that there's a couple of ways that you can take this. Because historically, when I study the Bible, I look, you know, when it was written, who wrote it, who it was, who the first audience was. And then, since this is the living Word of God, how does that apply to us in 2022? How does it apply to my life individually, and how does it apply to your lives? Because that's how the Bible has always worked for me. It has meaning today, just like it did 2,000 years ago. Amen. Good. Three people are awake. Uh, so, just to clarify some things about Hebrews, this section that we're fixing to go into is one of the most controversial in church history. And I'm going I'm to put it out there the best I can with what I got. So y'all love me anyway. But one of the scholars that I read said, primarily, there, there's two targets. There's the original target audience who were Hebrew people. Who knows who the Hebrew people were? The Jews. And so... The Jewish people were the first ones to get the Ten Commandments and all the laws you know, that Moses wrote down for them. And they had a lot of stuff. They had ceremonial washings. They had blood sacrifices. They had grain sacrifices. They had, they had stuff going all the time. It's like having 14 kids in, in every sport there is. And you have to go to all the games. It's not easy. But the Jewish people, really, it was, it was kind of like that. And so they get... We had a discussion this week in our men's group about Jewish history, and one of them was asking about the Talmud. And, and we explained to him that the Talmud was what every rabbi ever's opinion was on a particular law or something. So the five books of the law are not that, that big. You know, in my Bible, they're about that, that much room. But the Talmud, you know, stacks as tall as I am or taller today because every rabbi ever has made comment on it. So let's remember who this part of this original target audience is when we get into this, and, and maybe it'll make sense in a minute. So verse 11, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So as is our custom, we're going to break it down verse by verse so we can see what God is trying to teach us today in 2022. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become, somebody help me, become what of hearing? Dull. What does that mean? We're not listening anymore. Who said what? We get, sometimes church gets to be like cheap art you have in your house. You know, you buy it and the painting's real pretty and you hang it on the wall. And three days later, you couldn't describe it to anybody. It's not new anymore. The news worn off. And sometimes the message of, of the gospel wears off. We hear it too many times. Sometimes our kids, this is, this is really bad with preacher's kids, y'all. And that's why they're so wild in their teen years sometimes. Not all of them. There's probably one that, that escaped unscathed. I'm just talking about my friends. But we hear the same thing over and over and over again. And if we don't go beyond like the ABCs, then we really don't get the full benefit, the full measure, the full blessings that God has for us. You know with me on that? And so we keep, you know, we come to church as little kids and and, and we go to the, children camp, uh, the children's camp, and that gets new and exciting because it's a different environment. And we get kids that, that accept Christ as their Savior and make a profession of faith. Now, these two young people here, it is our responsibility, not just their parents, to bring them up in the ways of God, to show them that, that they are not going to just come in here and sit down in the seat Sunday after Sunday and become a member of what I call the frozen chosen. We show up and we check the box. No, we want them to be a vital part of this church, of this body, of their family, of the community, of the school they go to. We want them to shine. Second half, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now in this church, there we're no strangers to babies. We've got some already here. Some will be here any minute. If they can wait till after church. And we all know what babies eat. They eat milk. Their digestive system isn't designed for whole food yet. But once they get on the whole food, once we start feeding the whole food, they should really get excited about it. In our family, we have an eight-month-old grandson. He's our newest. And he is recently graduating from milk to the baby food. And they have got baby food now that did not exist when my children were babies. They got stuff that I wouldn't mind trying. And little astronaut packs. Y'all seen those yet? And so Kim was feeding Sawyer. That's his name. Cool name, right? Okay. Don't, don't make me do all the work up here. And so she's squirting this, the food out into the little rubber-coated spoon, and, and he got his first bite. And then he's <laughs> does that until he gets his next bite. And he gets it, 
And then she's wasting all this time trying to get it off his mouth. You know how you girls do? You got to clean it up. Dads, we just hear. And between everyone, I want food. I want food. And that's how we should be with the word of God. Amen? Because it says here, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness because he's a child. Solid food is for the, what does it say in your Bible? For the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Uh, How many of y'all know that time or age does not bring on maturity necessarily? True. She knew. Uh, We know... A lot of people that, well, here's an example I heard the other day. There was a a principal at a school, and he had a job opening, and he picked a teacher that had like five years' experience to be like the vice principal. And there was another teacher that had been at that school for like 25 years, and she got all mad. She said, why did you hire the teacher that had five years' experience to be your assistant and not me? I've got 25 years of, of experience. And the principal said honestly to her, said, you have one year's of experience 25 times. See, if we keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again with the, with the baby food, we're not growing. We're not getting any more experience. There are a lot of Christians that have been Christians for two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they've never told another soul what Jesus did in their life, why they're a Christian at all. There are people that don't realize that that one of the ways to bring people into relationship with Christ is to just share what Christ did for you. A testimony should take no more than two minutes. This This is where I was. This is how I felt. This is what happened. And then I met Jesus and how I met Jesus. Then I met Jesus through a church. I met him at a children's camp. I met him somehow. And then I made a decision and my life changed and this is how my life is now. That's your story. That's your testimony. Who's got a testimony? Everybody say amen. Okay. I'm not going to ask if you've shared your testimony, but you should. We should all share what Jesus has done for us. And if it's necessary, you can use words. Because sometimes our life should show that we're different. So age alone does not bring maturity. Uh, Another one of the signs that you're an immature, that you're not mature in Christianity, you're not mature in the faith, is that that you're unable to instruct others. I skipped it. I looked at my notes, y'all, and I've never done that before, so it messes me up, okay? I'd already done that part because I think ahead. But the other one is that you can't tell good from evil. Now, we seem to, we usually think that we can tell that pretty easily. Am I right? You know, it should be apparent what's good and what's evil. But one of the ways that that manifests itself is people that, that are not mature Christians, that can't distinguish between good and evil, are ones that are like personality followers. We see these big mega churches where they've got the really dynamic speaker, and, and he's shouting, and he's screaming, and he's jumping the pews, and he's, you know, lightning's coming down, got smoke coming up, and people just love to go hear him talk. You know, he's, he's kind of a motivational I was trying to think of something really cool sounding. He's just a motivational speaker for 
supposedly Jesus, but is he really? So he just wanted to get people in the auditorium so that they could put money in the plate or in the basket or on the online thing? You don't know. But we look at them by their fruit and kind of see what they're doing. Personality chasers or people that aren't mature in discerning the good from evil will, will just change churches because of feelings. They're chasing an emotional high. Okay? And these same people that are immature will get angry at change in the church, whether it be a, a Sunday school or a equipping class teacher or a preacher or, or whatever. I mean, we don't, nobody likes change, right? That's why we're all glad that God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, because we can always rely on God. But discerning good from evil is extremely important because we can get tricked. And in a minute, I'm going to give you a couple of, of good examples of that, and I'll give you a clue ahead of time. One of the examples is going to be from the 1970s, a guy named Jim Jones, who was an evangelistic, culty kind of preacher. And the second example is going to be Judas Iscariot. So if you know about those two guys, you might think about them for a few minutes while we, while we move on. Solid food is for the mature. How do we get to maturity in Christ? How many of us sit in here, we come here every week, not just this place, but churches all across this town, this state, and this country, and, and we sit there and we, we do the praise songs, and we're lucky today we got to see some results of some of this, and, and two more entering the kingdom of God. But sometimes we just sit there and we listen for the message, and we say, I like this part, I didn't like that part, he, He's kind of meddling on this part, you know, because if you stand up here, it's a rule you got to meddle sometimes. I'm sorry. They told me that when, when, they, when we did this. But we, we have to, we sit there and, and we do the same thing week after week after week after week. And one of the definitions of insanity that I was told several years ago was insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Has anybody ever heard that definition? If I keep doing the thing I've already always done, I'm going to get the same thing I always got. So if I just go to church and check the box, if I don't get involved, if I don't try to learn a little bit more about this Jesus that we talk about, about these blessings of God, about, about the promises of God, then I'm just doing the same thing over and over again, and I wonder why I'm not growing spiritually. I'm not... I'm wondering why I don't get the blessings that the preacher talks about. I'm wondering why I'm not getting the knowledge and the skills, you know, to, to live life in a kingdom-like manner. I wonder those things because I'm keeping on doing the same thing I've always done. I think if I just show up, then that's good enough. And the churches all across this land are full of people like that. I so lost my train of thought. <laughs> One of the things we have to do is we have to change the way we think. And we have, to, we have to step out of our comfort zone. We have to take the things that are said by the teachers and the preachers and what we read and what we study and what we learn. We have to do more than just put them in here. but We have to put them into action. Nothing can change by sitting in your place of comfort and reading 
your scriptures. You can have it in your head all day long. But if you don't do something with it, nothing in your life changes. And so we wonder, why do I feel so lonely sometimes? There's somebody in this room that's lonely, and there's a big crowd of people around them. There's somebody in this room that might be angry this morning, and there's people around wanting to help. There's somebody in this room that is hurting this morning, and there's somebody that wants to comfort them. The people that have gone on to a little bit of maturity, that, have, that are taking the meat, know what it's like to, to receive blessings from God. And blessings, I don't want that to get confused with uh, everything's good and peachy all the time. How many of y'all have seen or read the books by C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia? Y'all should read those because I said so. No, but there's, there's a really cool part. Uh, there, it's, it's metaphorical. means it's one thing represents another. And in the books, the lion, what's his name? And who does he represent? Okay, and there's another character, and I think this is in the first book, The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, where one of the characters in the book said something about Aslan, said, is he safe? Y'all remember that? And he represents who? And the character in the book asked about Aslan the lion, is he safe? No, he's not safe, they answered, but he's good. When we live this Christian lifestyle, it's not safe. We were never promised safety. We were never promised an easy life. Matter of fact, we're promised there will be suffering. There will be tough times for us. But God is good all the time. The devil is always bad. And if we concentrate on what God's blessings are, we don't care so much about what the enemy's trying to throw at us. As a matter of fact, we've got power over that guy. And we don't know that if we're just coming in here doing the same thing week after week after week and just checking the box and not growing and not reading in this word. And when I told you all how I do the Bible study, I looked at who the, who the target audience is and who wrote it and where it is. Sometimes I don't understand. And so I have to look to somebody that's got more education in this than me, more experience in this than me. And that's how I grow, and that's how I gain understanding. But it's got to feel, it's got to seem right, it's got to be right. The spirit of discernment, which God has given me, which we grow as we go along, tells me, yes, this way is the right way. No, this way is not right. This does not seem right to me. Y'all with me on that? Sometimes something doesn't feel right. And if something doesn't feel right, it's probably for a reason. We have a spirit of discernment that, that he's planted in us when we become Christians. These young people today now have a spirit of discernment. And it's up to us to help them grow that by protecting them from false teaching and encouraging them in the right teaching. Can I get an amen on that? So we have to put into action or practice what we learn. So then in verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we'll stop right there. Okay, so now we've, we've, discussed, we've discussed and discovered what the immature Christian looks like. This is what we're going to do to move on. Lay aside 
We'll stop laying again the foundation of repentance. There's, there's three things in, in your basic ABCs of Christianity. There's your conversion, where we accept Christ. And then there's the ordinances. We watch the baptism. We have uh, communion next week, I think, maybe week after. And then it says something else. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. Those are like the prophetic things that have to do with the end times and the rapture and everything. And so everybody basically gets that when they're a little kid in Sunday school. And there are some preachers in this country that's all they preach is, is, is conversion, repentance, come to Jesus. Get baptized. Take communion. Jesus coming back. And that's the whole sermon, week after week after week after week after week. And nobody is getting fed that there's more. Nobody's getting fed that there's more. And it's okay to, have, to teach the gospel message. But we as people that have already accepted the gospel message, we have to do more. We, we can't grow unless we get more. And so that's why... Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches like this one teach expositorily. It's probably not even a word, but I don't care. We go verse by verse, and we explain so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so that we're not checking the box, and we're not being insane by doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. When we go through this word by word and study and learn and get into it, then we find that we're growing and, and we're wiser in the world. And the world is going to think that we are foolish. It's promised repeatedly in the Bible that they're going to think we're nuts. And that's okay. I knew I was nuts before I was ever a Christian. I'm just going into where I'm supposed to be. So, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Uh, instructions about washings. Now, this is taken two ways. This is one of the things I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, the Greek word here is really the one that talks about the ceremonial washings uh, before you go into the temple for the sacrifices or before you go see the priest. Back then, they had a basin and you had to dip your hands you know, so many times that you know, there's no soap or anything. It was just a ceremonial washing to make you clean for the moment. And <clears throat> we have been raised to believe that it's some actual versions of the Bible say the word baptism. But baptizo, I do not think, is the word that's in the old text. But having said that, because this is the living, breathing word of God, and because we are of the Protestant persuasion, not the, the Catholic or Hebrew or Jew, it does apply in this instance. Because how do we baptize? Somebody. With water. All the way under. Immersion. There are some people that do a little cute sprinkle, like on your cookies, holy cookies. I love your kids. <laughs> now, which is wrong? Which is right? We're not supposed to argue about that. If we're in the middle of the desert and we're walking along because our, our car broke down or our horses broke down, however we're getting across there, and, and we share the message of Christ and, and somebody wants to be baptized and there's nothing around but your, what's left in your water bottle. And they say, I want to be baptized right now. 
a little drop will do you for right now. If that's what they want to do to show their act of obedience. That's not for us to argue about. That's elementary. That is a, it's a symbol of the decision that they made to follow Christ. To join him in his death, burial, and his resurrection. And we believe that we do the whole thing. We do the whole thing. But that doesn't get you into heaven. That doesn't make you a Christian. It makes you wet without the belief. Y'all with me on that? But we're not supposed to argue about that because that's in the ABCs of Christianity. We're supposed to go beyond the ABCs. We as church members, we as people that are in the church should know those things by heart. We should, know, we should remember how we felt the day that we, that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We should remember how it felt when we come up out of the water. Those of us in here that have come up out of the water... We should, I felt it again. And I was, I was just, wow, I was just blown away. It gets me every time. Makes my eyes leaky. I hate that. Not really. Um, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. All that, you know, it's what the Jews did. They argued about little bitty bits and pieces of the law which is the greatest commandment well is that greater than this if that happens it's just they're just constantly yammering about details that really didn't matter in the whole scheme of things when the basic thing is is yes I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I believe he rose from the grave and I believe he was uh, physically rose from the grave and that he's in heaven sitting at the right hand of God and I trust in him with all I got and if I trust with him in him with all I got then I need to live as a kingdom person. I need to grow that seed of faith that was, that was placed in me. And I can't do that by hearing the same ABCs over and over again. Amen. Waking some of y'all up. And now we're getting to the controversial part. Don't shoot me. Because this is, this, is this is tough. And this we will do, this is verse 3, if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. Okay. This is so tricky, and I want us to get this so right. You cannot, if you have been saved, if you have invited Jesus Christ into your heart, you cannot lose it. You cannot lose it. It can't accidentally fall away from you. Uh, Romans says, neither height nor depth nor powers nor this nor that nor oceans. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can't lose it. Is everybody clear on that? You cannot lose it. Say, I cannot lose it. Everybody that can't lose it, say, I cannot lose it. Amen. I cannot lose it. And that's good. So what does this mean then? It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened. Okay, somebody whose eyes have been opened. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. The heavenly gift is Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be. That's right. So having shared, having tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them and have fallen away. Okay. If we look at the Jewish model, if this was to the Hebrews, I'm going to hit this one real quick like a drive-by. There was a group of Hebrews that were not saved, but they had heard. They've all been exposed all through the Old Testament teachings and the laws. All of that points to Messiah, who is Jesus in the New Testament. Y'all with me on that? They know all the signs that the prophets said that to expect when the Messiah came. They know all that stuff, but they also held on to all the traditions, the washings and the sacrifices and the grain sacrifices and the blood sacrifices. They know stuff about him, and they're not willing to believe that this is, this Jesus is the Messiah. They have been there. They've, you know, their history tells them all the miracles of God. And then there's the ones that, that have heard the things, just don't want to believe at all. And then there's some that believed, and they keep getting drugged back into the traditional stuff. And that's part of what this was talking about. When you take it as the address strictly to the Hebrews, quit worrying about the old traditions and the old laws. Now, for us and our purposes today, can you lose your salvation? No, absolutely not. But this is also a caution against apostasy. Can you renounce it? And so... I would have to look first to the first instance in the Bible, and that would be Judas Iscariot. He was chosen as one of the 12. He was with Jesus all the time. He watched every miracle that Jesus did. I mean, if anybody knows who Jesus is and sees the power of Jesus, it's going to be one of those 12. Am I right? Judas knew him, walked with him. Saw the signs, saw the miracles, heard it from his own lips. I am the Messiah. I'm the son of the living God. And what did he do? Somebody. He betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. So you can, you can be in the presence and know in your head all you want to that Jesus Christ is real. You can know these things. You can experience these things. And Judas is the first example that I know of, the one that said, I'm going to do it my way. He totally rejected son of the living God. Now, for me, that is inconceivable. Man, how do you do that? Where is your thinking, Judas? Is your brain attached to your body? I mean, aren't we all like that? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, right? But when he did that, we all know what happened afterwards. He threw away his money and, and hanged himself. The second one I mentioned earlier was a guy named Jim Jones. Anybody remember the Jonestown Massacre? Some of you older folks do. Some of you younger folks. Uh, Jim Jones... Was uh, he grew up in one of those Midwest states? Watch out, y'all, because there's a bunch of you in here. And he had a he had a terrible upbringing. 
upbringing, and and he got into to the different churches and he and he like we talked about earlier, following the fads and following the personalities. And he got into the faith healing. He got into jumping the pews and speaking in the tongues and, and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But he grew up and became a preacher and an evangelist. And then he was leading people to Christ. And then somewhere along the way, he lost his way. And ultimately considered himself God and he took around 900 people or so to Guyana in South America or Central America somewhere like that sorry geography guys uh, and there was people wanting to escape it became a cult it, it was a cult some something that started out good he was wanting to bring people to Jesus Christ and then somewhere along the, the way, he lost his path. And ultimately, took the lives of 900 and something people down there. And many of them wanted to escape, but they couldn't get away. They're in a foreign country. They had armed guards. They had all the things that a cult has. And why did he have 900 people there? And I'm going to tell you in a country song. They were looking for love in all the wrong places. They thought they knew that... You know, they thought they were on the right path with him. He deceived them. He lied to them. Only a fragment of his message was true. We have people in motorcycle gangs and prison gangs and, and other various cults and stuff around this country and around this world and, and different beliefs. And they get their people because they're looking for the love that, that Jesus is the only one that can provide it. We're the only people that can demonstrate that love for them. When people come into this church, they need to be greeted. They need to feel loved because we're commanded to love one another. I know I saw it somewhere. I think it was in the Bible. Another example from this text here. Uh, Verse 7, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing for God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Now, I don't know about y'all, but i got to study this a lot to figure out what it means. Some of y'all are way smarter than me, but I finally got the picture in my mind of you got two plots of ground side by side. And they're both cultivated the same way. They're both plowed the same way. They're both seeded the same way with all the same seeds. And they're landscaped the same. And the rains come and hit both parcels of land at the same time, each and every time. And one of those parcels of land grows beautiful grass that you can walk on barefoot and not worry about a thing. And, and it's grown up flowers and fruit trees, the good kind, not the kind I don't like. I'm just saying, it's good ground. And then the other parcel starts, you know, getting stickers and crabgrass and mesquite trees and, and things that stick you, unpleasant things. And it just, and it's ugly too. And there's no grass underfoot. They're just, you like that, James? <laughs> and so what have they both got they have in common? They've both been plowed the same way. They've both been planted the same way. They've both been landscaped the same way. The same rains came down. But one produces a blessing. One produces stickers. 
pain, suffering. That's a comparison from, from our scripture. So what are we as Christians? You know, we, some of us have been in a little bit different kind of field, a little bit different kind of path. Path? Field? Growing? I don't know. Anyway, we've all, at some point in time, we come to the realization that it's the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that is talking to us, that's inviting us, that's chasing us down, that's pursuing us with a relentless love. You know, come, the love you're looking for is here. Not the love that you're seeking in, in drugs or in alcohol or in sex or in money or in companionship or in boats or in cars or in guns. The love, the life that we're seeking is in Jesus. And it's not safe. But it's good. We're so hung up on being safe. There are signs on the street corners, downtown and other places. One says like this, don't walk. And then the other one says this, walk. And it doesn't last long enough. When I was a little kid, they said, look this way, look this way, look again. And if there's no cars coming, go. And I never got run over. None of my friends did. But we've pushed this safe thing so much. If it says this, then it's safe for me to go. And then the guy that's texting in the car going through the intersection hits somebody. Are we really worried that much about safety? I'm talking about the safety of our souls. We can, we can look at the sign or we can look both ways. And if there's nothing fixing to hit us, we can go on across safely. Because we know there's something good when we continue the journey. We can't just say stop because, because the sign quits too soon. Nobody can cross the street in three seconds. Some of these kids over here, Nathan can, I bet. Didn't even look at that. We're done. Uh... Though we speak in this way, verse 9, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, so he's talking about us spiritual ones now. Okay, y'all with me? We done picked on the, the pagans and the sinners and the nearly saved. We feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. Who's the saints? Awesome. For the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. What do we do till the end? Hope in that assurance. Hope. See, the world don't have no hope. The world has no hope. And they think we're nuts. They think we're nuts because we believe in this, in this risen Jesus. But it's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that really makes sense if you really look at it. And it's the only thing that brings joy. Because it's a gift. I don't care how bad a day we have. If you have Jesus, there's joy in your life. You can be tore up from the floor up. But if you have Jesus, there is still joy in your life. There is hope in your life. 
If you exercise this gift of love that he gives us to one another, you're sharing that hope that's in your life. It's not safe to share what God has done for you because some of us have been through some stuff. Some of us might could lose a job if the boss knew what we had done and what Jesus restored us from. It's not safe. But if we do it in obedience to God, it's good. It comes out good. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, sincerity, to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Keep on doing what you're doing. And if you're not doing which is what the first part of this was, it's time to take some action and start doing. Some of us get hung up on somebody that made us mad back in the third grade. If you're in the third grade, that's okay to be mad right now. But if you're 40 years old and still mad about that, it's time to let that go. Forgiveness, when we forgive others, we can be forgiven. If I wonder why I'm lonely, why nobody wants to hang out with me, you know, maybe it's because I'm carrying this, this baggage of, of grouch. My wife will accuse me of that. She's not in here. I'll even I'll throw myself under the bus. But gradually I'm getting rid of this, this stuff. And I'm not, a, I'm not the grouchy guy I used to be. I don't know why I was so grouchy. I got, it, I got it good. I've always had it good. Yesterday I celebrated 46 years married to the same woman. Amen. One of my brothers asked me the other day, man, how did you stay married for 46 years? I said, you don't get divorced. <laughs> I chose to love that woman. Love is a choice. It's not some big emotional feel-good, pheromonal reaction, chemical reaction. Love is a choice. God chose to love us, his people. He's commanded us. To love. So we really don't have a choice as Christians. We're commanded to love each other. Oh, Bill, but what about the unlovable? That's me. You guys have only seen the semi-cleaned up version. But there's a time when I was pretty unlovable. And she stayed through for a good while. And it was in jeopardy that relationship at one point in time. But God, who is always faithful, who I cannot lose my salvation from, no matter how far into the foreign country I ran, eating with the pigs and stuff, snapped me back. And it says in the prodigal son, and when he came to himself, he said, I can go to my father's house. And what did the father do? Killed the fatted calf, threw a big party. We can't lose the salvation. I want to make that perfectly, perfectly clear today. But we can't sit here and drink the milk. We can't just be on the baby food all the time. What we need to do is when they start feeding us the baby food, give me some meat. I'm ready to try the hamburger first, and then I'm going for the steak, even the chewy one. Mama don't know about tenderizer or picking the marbling. Oh, 
want the good food. I want the tough food. I want the food that's going to make me grow. We all got to want that. We want to be all in. We want, when people say, yeah, the Bible's just a bunch of metaphors and stories and some of it may be real, maybe not. First thing you got to do is say, I'm all in with this from beginning to end. And make that your first dance. Once you receive Jesus, do you understand it all? Absolutely not. Do I understand? No. But I'll figure it out, either on this side of the grave or the other. There's nothing says I've got to know everything right now. I've got to know enough to get to next week or to lunchtime. So y'all pray with me. The praise band is invited to come back up. And we're going to pray, and we'll have a, I'll be down here, and somebody else will be down here. If somebody wants us to pray with you, we will do that. That's, that's what we do, because prayer changes things. I don't know how many of y'all know that, but prayer changes things. I would not be here today if prayer hadn't changed me. And I can tell you who that is if you don't like it, and you can get on to them, because they're the ones that prayed me up here, all right? It is okay to have fun in Jesus. I mean, can you imagine the parties that guy went to? I'm serious. So let's pray. And, and the band's going to lead us in worship again. And just one song, if y'all want to come down here, come down here and I'll pray with you. Kristen, if you're a lady, come to her side of the deal. If you're a couple, either one of us can do it. Uh, we believe in men praying with men and women praying with women. And you just say, pray for me this week. We'll do it. And if we get too many coming, we got other people that just would love to come down here and pray with you. So take it away, lead worshipers.